Oh my goodness. Hello, everybody. It's February 12th, the Kapow Radio Show. You know, Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Because when we first started the show in late 2011, it was all about spiritual warfare and fighting demonic entities and influences in your life. Um, self-deliverance, expulsion, healing, um, quite a dynamic little ministry going on there. Of course, we still believe in all that stuff, and we still do all those things, but God has really brought us in more of a teaching ministry at this point, but we're still available to help people when needed. And of course, our flagship book, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare. It's something that Linda and I wrote because we went through this demonic attack, incredible demonic attack in 2006 where our marriage almost, I mean, it was this close to splitting up. A lot of problems. And I'm telling you, half the stuff that happens, not even in the book. I mean, there so many weird, weird, crazy things happen. But basically, we were taken to warrior school real quick. And we had to buck up and learn about spiritual warfare real, real quick. And what that did is that really changed our lives. And of course, for me, it just changed what's important to me. Um, and God's all important. God's more important than anything in the relationship with him. And I'm really big about, you'll hear me say this a lot, getting on the bus. I'm really big about your personal salvation because you're not going to help anybody else unless you're personally squared away. And you have to get squared away by having your spirit renewed in Christ and becoming a new person. We talk about this all the time because that's really what it's all about. That's really the gospel message. Demonology, deliverance, and all those things, those are secondary to your relationship with, with God through Christ. Once you get that squared away, the other things you can deal with. But you're not going to be able to deal with anything and the evil in your life, sickness, financial difficulties, things like that until you get that relationship with God squared away. And it's a matter of will, you understand? It's a matter of you going, I submit to God. Take my life, do what thy wilt. And let him teach you. And a lot of times it's not pleasant because you're stripped away of, of a lot of the flesh, a lot of the pride, things. The, the person you thought you were uh, will disappear. And sometimes it's very painful to deal with. And so you might go from being a boss to, you know, just really being a humble servant. And, but when you're, when you're in God, that gives you that peace. You can't beat that. Anyway, today I want to, I'm going to start a series because it's a huge topic. So today's going to be foundational. I'm going to talk about the importance of now, of living right now. And I want to talk about death. It's something that a lot of us uh, ignore. I shouldn't say us. I don't ignore it. I think about it all the time. Um, in 2001, I wrote a book called The Wisdom of Death, uh, Six Paths to Understanding Loss and Grief After My Father and My Father-in-Law Died. And it was my first really take on a uh, personal uh, death experience on a personal level, even though I'd experienced a lot of death as a police officer in my career, never uh, so personal like my father. And anyway, uh, I still like that title, The Wisdom of Death, because there is wisdom to uh, learn from death, but only in the sense that you want to obtain eternal life. 
in mortality. And it's a shame that in our society, so many people concentrate on everything else but death. And even those who are atheists, even those people who are anti-Christ or anti-God, uh, oh, they don't believe the Bible, they don't believe ancient scriptures or any of this, and uh, they're anti-Christian, whatever, they're Satanist. I mean, go on, go on. They can't deny that everybody before them has died. They cannot deny the fact that they will, in fact, die. As much as they hate it, as much as they try to circumvent it with uh, maybe a new age philosophy or a new age teaching saying, um, you know, we're going to reincarnate or, or, or we just cease to exist. We become fish food. We, we just were annihilated. There's no hell. There's no um, eternal punishment as well as eternal glory. None of that. And so they, can, they, they justify that in their mind and they can do that all day long. But I'm telling you, it's not true. And I'm going to tell you today what the truth is, according to the scriptures. It's, we're going to see what the Bible says about the afterlife and about death. And it's very real. And when you get your head around it, then you'll realize just how important it is to live now. And so many times we go, what are we doing in life? You know, what, what's our goal? What's our purpose? Ah, what is this all about, Elfie? Right? And you'll realize that your time right now is important. And the important thing is, is that you get yourself squared away in, in the relationship with God and that it brings eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the number one goal. That's what you should be doing. Everything else is a result of that. Okay. So it's not evangelism doesn't come first. Ministry doesn't come first. Your church participation doesn't come first. None of that comes first. Relationship with God comes first. You have to get that squared away. You're on probation here on this planet. We were born on this prison planet and we're on a probationary status. And it's how well are we going to obey the word of God and how well are we going to sit under that covenant. And that's what probation's about. If we can do that, and if we could be renewed in spirit through Jesus Christ, we're going to have eternal life, and it's going to be blissful and heavenly, and you're going to have a resurrected body. You'll be whole, and you'll be immortal. If we can't do that, if we reject the words of God, if we reject God himself and his son, what will happen is the soul and the spirit will in fact continue to exist after physical death. And during that resurrection, at the end of the millennium, at the end of all the age, the, even the wicked dead, those who rejected God and Christ, their bodies will be resurrected and changed. And I'm going to explain that. It's not your corruptible body you have now it's changed but the man is created as a triune being body soul and spirit and at the end of the day it will all be reunited and that body will be a spiritual body and that spiritual body will live in eternal torment and punishment forever and ever and ever 
And you may say, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. Why would God resurrect a, a person's body just to put their soul and spirit in it to torment them forever? And here's why. And God has warned us for centuries and thousands and thousands of years. And we have his word warning us of these things. But the sins that we commit in the flesh, every word that we speak, every deed that we do, we will be held accountable for, whether it's good or bad, whether you're saved or not saved. You understand that? You're going to be judged according to your works and your teaching. You know, Paul talks... He talks about, in Corinthians, he talks about uh, a judgment of the believers where teachers are building upon the foundation of Christ. So they have the foundation, the doctrine of Christ, like say I do, I have the foundation of the doctrine of Christ, but say I start teaching you things that, that are not heresy, they don't destroy the foundation. You're not going to get to heaven if you do that. You're, you're, you're an antichrist. But I start teaching things that are bling. You know, they're, um, they're, extra, they're extra doctrinal things. Uh, maybe I start teaching that, um, you know, you have to be baptized in water. You have to be a Baptist. I'm, that's just for example. Or I'm teaching you, you know, once saved, always saved. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, of course, that kind of that kind of bordering line on heresy. But um, if you can get my point, that I, I build upon that foundation of Christ, hay and stubble, and at the end of the day, I'm going to be judged for that. And if it doesn't pass the test of fire, then it's burned up. Even though I am saved, my soul is saved right? In, in heaven, I, I forfeit those rewards. Now, I've heard people in the past, I really have, I've heard people on podcasts say, hey, I just want to get in. I don't care if it's just a corner. I don't care about the rewards. I don't care about all the stuff. I just want to get in. And that's a horrible way, a horrible attitude to have. Um, you know, that's like going to college and going, I just want to pass. I don't care if I just get a D. I just want to pass. You know, come on. And, you know, I mean, how much can you take serious your relationship with God if you just want to get up there even by the skin of your teeth? Well, of course, it doesn't work that way. Um, and then, you know, Paul also talks about precious stones and, uh, and stones and things that are built solid on top of that foundation that will stand the test of the judgment of, of fire. And then you'll be rewarded for that. Paul talked about his rewards a lot because it was something he's looking forward to. And man, um, does he deserve it, right? So there's, we're going to be judged even as Christians, and you have to know that. So what you do in this body is important. So that's why this body will be resurrected, and, and it'll be a spiritual body, which your inner man, your soul and spirit will then inhabit for eternity, all right? Um, it's important that we know that that makes all the difference on what we do here and now, the importance of now, right? We have to get our head around that. Death is super, super important, both for the believer, but even more important for the unbeliever, because once that physical death happens, you can't unring that bell. You can't go back. There's no purgatory. There's no prayers for the dead. There's none of that stuff. There's no lighting candles for them. It's over. Um, a lot of times I watch these documentaries on these rock stars and movie stars and stuff and, <clears throat> you know, what they believed and what they did. And I always think, man, where, where are they, what are they thinking now? Because they are in a conscious state, even right now. 
All right. So that's a little introduction. And we're going to talk about that. And then next week, well, you know, we'll get, we're going to get like into really death defined and physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. You know, they're, they're different. And we're going to talk about that over the coming weeks. Um, the penalty of sin, the resurrection from uh, death, resurrection from spiritual death, right? And, um, and what all that's going to mean. And then we're going to get into hell and Hades, uh, the lake of fire, the underworld, Sheol, different places, different compartments, paradise that you may have heard, but don't quite understand what they are. Or maybe you do, but it's good to go over it again. These are real places. They really exist. And uh, there's really, you know, a, a state after death. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you. From all online digital retailers, God bless you all. So before we get into the scripture, I want to read an article from Newsweek last week. This was... um, uh, once again, from Newsweek, and it's entitled, Where Do You Go When You Die? The Increasing Signs That Human Consciousness Remains After Death. And this was written by Castilia Medrano on February 10th this year. And I just thought this was very interesting. I did post this on our Fifth Hook Media Facebook page, if anybody wants to read this. Because it's it's a scientific article, but um, it's stuff that what I'm telling you today is absolutely true. It says, clinically, we understand death to mean the state that takes hold after our hearts stop beating. Blood circulation comes to a halt. We don't breathe, our brains shut down, and that's what divides the states we occupy from one moment, which is alive, to the next, which is dead. Philosophically, though, our definition of death hinges on something else, the point past which we're no longer able to return. Those who were more or less the same until about 50 years ago, when we saw the advent of the CPR. Today, someone's heart can stop and they can be dead and then they can come back. So what they're saying is things have kind of changed. It's not so black and white for scientists and medical professionals now. The article goes on. It says modern resuscitation was a game changer for emergency care, but also blew apart our understanding of what it means to be dead. Without many people returning from the dead to show us otherwise, it was natural to assume from a scientific perspective that our consciousness dies at the same time as our bodies. Over the last few years, though, scientists have been seen repeated evidence that once you die, your brain cells take days, potentially longer. To reach the point past, which they've degraded too far to ever be viable again. This does not mean you're not dead. You are dead. Your brain cells, however, may not be. And that's pretty frightening for some people, um, honestly. I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and we were talking about Elon Musk. And we were talking about um, a lot of these tech giants and people who want to live forever. We're talking about uh, cryogenics and freezing one's head or brain. Uh, to be resurrected at a later time, you know, when their disease is cured. And we're talking about stuff like that. And um, he's not a believer. He's actually, he's, uh, he's an atheist. And he believes that when you die, you just cease to exist. But when we're having this conversation, 
one thing really bothered him. He re- he remembers seeing this Twilight Zone um, episode uh, where these two men were trying to live forever, or they were flatlining. They were doing something about after death. Anyway, at the at the end of the episode, one of the men was dead, and he was being put into the cremor- crematorium, right? And inside, he's screaming, no, no, I'm still here. I'm still alive. No, no. And that's how the episode ended. So my neighbor says that's always bothered him. It's always bothered him. So what is that that's bothering him? The thing that's bothering him is he knows deep down that he can't prove that he'll cease to exist. And that's a big issue. That's a big problem. Because like I said in the beginning of the show, you can believe whatever you want and say, I just cease to exist. I'm annihilated. You know, um, oh, you know, God is love. God would never punish us forever. Uh, whatever, you know, soul sleep. Uh, like a lot of these Christian cults believe in soul sleep. But what bothers him is that what if that's not true? What if we, we do exist afterwards? And see, that's a horrible place to be. And, you know, we have the answer to that. If, if people will listen, unfortunately, they still want to listen, uh, but there isn't an answer to that. And when you get, when you get your head around it, but it brings you peace, you, you, you no longer, you don't fear death. It's not because you had a near death experience and you went to the light and, and you felt peace and love and all that, all that nonsense, right? It's because you know that, you know, because your faith is activated within your spirit by the spirit of God. It's hard to explain if you don't have it. If you have it, you'll know what I'm talking about. So this article continues. It says, what's fascinating is that there is a time only after you and I die that the cells inside our bodies start to gradually go toward their own process of death. So Dr. Sam Parnia, he's a director of critical care and resuscitation research in New York University. He told Newsweek, I'm not saying the brain still works or any part of you still works once you've died, but the cells don't instantly switch from alive to dead. Actually, the cells are much more resilient to the heart stopping to the person dying than we used to understand. So scientists working on human cadavers have from time to time observed genes that are active after death. According to University of Washington microbiology professor Peter Noble, For a 2017 study published in Open Biology, Noble and his colleagues tested mice and zebrafish and found not only just a handful, but a combined total of 1,063 genes that remained active, in some cases for up to four days after the subject had died. Not only did their activity not dissipate, it spiked. And what he says is, we didn't anticipate that. Can you imagine 24 hours after time of death, you take a sample and the transcripts of the genes are actually increasing in abundance? That was a surprise. And quite a few of these developmental genes, Noble said, raising the fascinating and slightly disturbing possibility that in a period immediately following death, our bodies start reverting to the cellular conditions that were present when we were embryos. He found that certain animal cells post-mortem remained viable for weeks. The research suggests a stepwise shutdown by which parts of us die gradually at different rates rather than all at once. Exactly why some cells are more resilient to death than others can't be said. Also, in a 2016 study published in the Canadian Journal of Biology Sciences, Biological Sciences, doctors recounted shutting off life support for four terminally ill patients 
only to have one of the patients continue emitting delta wave bursts. That's the measurable electrical activity in the brain we normally experience during deep sleep. For more than 10 minutes after the patient had been pronounced dead, there was no pupil dilation, no pulse, no heartbeat. And the authors were at a loss for a psychological or physiological explanation. See, that is frightening to a lot of people to think that they're declared dead, the plug is pulled on them, but inside they still exist. Um, and it should be frightening to them because it goes way beyond just existing in a physical body for a few moments after death. Your spirit and soul continue to have consciousness and eventually at the end of the millennium, at the end of the age, it will be reunited with a spiritual body and will live forever in either torment or not torment. That's the only choices. There's no in between. Uh, and it's, it, it really behooves people to see just how temporary it is down here. People just, especially young people, think they're going to live forever. And it's just, I mean, you could just die at any moment from any cause at any time. It's so important to understand the wisdom behind death and eternal life and seeking that. Let me uh, finish this article. It says, Parnea's research has shown that people who survive medical death frequently report experiences. He's talking about NDAs that share similar themes. I mean, I'm sorry, NDEs, near-death experiences. Bright lights, benevolent guiding figures, relief from physical pain, a deeply felt sensation of peace. Because those experiences are subjective, it's possible to chalk them up to hallucinations. Where that explanation fails, though, is among the patients who have died on an operating table or crash cart and reported watching from a corner of the room from above as doctors tried to save them. Accounts subsequently verified by the very perplexed doctors themselves. So they can't, they can't explain that, how a person, you know, has an NDE, but they're out of their body looking down and they're going, you did this, did this, I saw this and this. And it, I mean, this is verified over and over again. There's a consciousness. And um, it, it just, you know, the scientists here are, they're struggling with this, but there definitely is. How these patients were able to describe objective events that took place while they were dead, we're not exactly sure, just as we're not exactly sure why certain parts of us appear to withstand death, even as it takes hold of everything else. But does, but it does seem to suggest that when our brains and bodies die, our consciousness may not or at least not right away, <laughs> right? So he says, I don't mean that people have their eyes open or their brains working after they die, Parnia says. That petrifies people. I'm saying we have a consciousness that makes up who we are, ourselves, our thoughts, feelings, emotions. He's talking about the spirit and the soul. He's talking about the inner human. And that entity, he says, it seems, does not become annihilated just because we've crossed the threshold of death. It appears to keep functioning and not dissipate. How long it lingers, we can't say. Wow, that sentence right there is worth its weight in gold, folks. Especially when you're talking to um, other intellectuals or other people who don't believe in the afterlife or believe they just become fish food or cease to exist, that you have these uh, scientists that are saying something quite different. And that statement there uh, that he says 
that there's a consciousness that still lingers. How long, he can't say. But the recognizer's something different. So having that, we know that at creation, the creation of the human being, right? We're put on this probationary period. And we're created body. God created our body out of the dust of the earth. That's mortal. That's corruptible. That goes back to dust. That goes back to ashes. The body that we're in now is the vehicle. It's the way that we experience the world. It's our world consciousness, right? You're listening to the sound of my voice through your physical ears. It's how you're experiencing the world consciousness. So you're a created body, and then God put a soul into you, a breathed into you a soul, and you have a living spirit. Um, and you were made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. It's the image of God. So your body is very mortal. It will die. It's going to decay. You know that. But at some point, whether you're a believer or unbeliever in the Lord Jesus Christ, your body will be changed. It will be resurrected from corruption to incorruption. And your inner man, your soul and your spirit will reunite with it. And it will be immortal. It'll either be immortal in a place of torment or immortal in a place of non-torment. That's according to the scriptures. Now, your spiritual body, like I said, it's not your flesh. It's something we, we don't, we don't have, we don't have that yet, but it'll be raised spiritual. And that's a blessing. That's something to look forward to if you're a believer, but it's something, oh my God, to fear if you're not. Because you're going you're to be existing forever in a conscious state in a very, very bad place. And you don't have to wait to the end of the age for that to happen. Death just has to happen at any time. Physical death has to happen at any time. And you're not ready. You're not prepared. That's what I say. When that bell's rung, you can't unring it. So let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. Paul writes, he says, so also, well, let me, let me back up here. Because he's talking about different kinds of flesh. Because in verse 35, he says, some people will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And he calls him a fool. He says, you fool, that which you sowest is not made alive or quickened, except that it dies first. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. In other words, you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't come back up as the seed. It comes up as a, a different plant, a different thing. And But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. <clears throat> and all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men. So humans, humans have a different kind of skin. We have a different flesh. Our flesh is different than that of a beast, of a dog or a cow or a fish or a snake or a bird, right? He also talks about celestial bodies, celestial bodies. He's talking about the glory of one celestial body over another. Uh, he's talking about the sun, the moon, the stars. These are celestial bodies. They're different. They're all different from each other. 
So in verse 32, he says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. Corruption, right? It, it decays. It is raised in incorruption. It's like a seed. When you put a seed in the ground, you know, you, you plant a tomato plant, you put tomato seed in the ground. It doesn't raise up looking like a tomato seed. It raises up looking like a tomato plant. It's a whole different thing. Verse 43 says, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. That's your your body when you die. Your body goes to the grave. Your body does not go to hell. It goes to the grave. Your inner man, your soul and spirit, either goes to a place of torment, awaiting final judgment, which afterwards will be reunited with that body in a spiritual sense, and either be thrown in the lake of fire, which was not prepared for you, by the way. It was prepared for Satan as angels. But because of rebellion, that's where you'll go, or you'll go to a heavenly place. That's the choice. So Paul says that a sown a natural body, it has raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. See, that's his inner man. The last Adam, that was Christ, was made a quickening spirit or a spirit that makes you alive. So what Paul is saying there is that your spirit has to be quickened by the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, in order to receive that redemption. You do that by believing that the Lord Jesus Christ was in fact God made flesh and that he was the sacrificial lamb for your your behalf, for your sins. And then you go change me. And you let that spirit change your spirit into a new creature. Then you become a quickened spirit. You're changed, right? You're, you still look the same physically. You still have a soulish nature. You still have that animal soul about you, but you're, 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 you've quickened spiritually. So we talked about the body. The soul now is the seat of emotions. We did a show or several shows on this a while back. I don't know what, what they're titled or where they're at, but we talked about the soul man. I, I played the song soul man and about the soulish nature and the animal nature of a soul. So we've, we've done teaching on this before. So I'm not going to go over that again, but the soul is the seat of emotions. It's your desires, your passions, your appetites, your feelings, right? It's your soulish nature. That's the thing that when your spirit's quickened in Christ, your spirit has to control that soulish nature because that's your animal nature in you. That's the one that uh, does things that are not good, right? And so your body's going to either be influenced by your soulish nature or your higher spiritual self. And so you want to be in Christ and have a higher spiritual self so that your body's correctly guided in doing the right things and not through your soulish nature. So that you can be pure in both uh, body and spirit and also in soul, the purity there. You have to control that. Our soulish nature is our soul man. So the soul is self-conscious. It's if the physical body is world conscious, that's how we, we experience the world. The soul is self-conscious. That's how we experience ourselves. And now the spirit, the spirit that is in man is the intellect. It's the will. It's the conscious. The spirit is recreated in Christ's spirit. And it's God conscious. 
that's that's the part that's the you're the you're the living soul right you're the living soul but that spirit is put in there to seek after god see no man comes to the father except the spirit draws him it's the holy spirit and that holy spirit deals directly with your spirit and draws you to christ draws you to faith in christ for that salvation experience for you to take hold of that redemption for eternal life so that's that's i'm talking about a higher way of being a spiritual person not a soulish person or just a physical person like an animal and there's enough animals running around listen to freedom friday i talk about all these people who run around they're just a flesh suit filled with demons and their soulish nature has totally taken over they have no spiritual man left in fact they're 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 physically alive but their soul is dead they're soulless zombie genetic hybrids they're running around doing all kinds of stuff pedophilia murder rape all kinds of things that's not who we want to be so the spirit is god conscious physical bodies world conscious your soul is self-conscious. Your spirit is God-conscious. So the soul and the spirit are immortal. That's what makes your inner man. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, 4. And 1 Peter 3, 4 says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden, the hidden person, the inner man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible. So Peter's saying it's not corruptible. It's not like the flesh. It's immortal. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. See how important that is? The spirit, your inner man, developed in the image of of God, of Christ, his son. That's what's important. So as, as a person, you are all three, your body, soul, and spirit. And upon death, you will leave your body here. Your body is corruptible. Your body's made of flesh. It will go back to the elements of the earth that it is. It's carbon-based. But your interman, your soul and your spirit, just like the article I read you, just like these scientists are, are seeing, will continue to exist in a very conscious state until at the end of the millennium, the end of the age, it is reunited with the body in the spiritual sense. You become body, soul, and spirit again with a spiritual body for either eternal torment or eternal salvation. I keep reiterating it because it's so important. We have to understand the importance of, of death, not only for us, but for others around us. So we know that man is body, soul, and spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul writes, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul mentions all three there. Preserving the body too. Because what you do in the body, you'll be held accountable for. Now, there were some Gnostics back in the day that taught that you were just a spiritual being that this physical flesh was was nothing. It was basically an illusion, like a matrix, right? They taught this. 
So you could do whatever you want in the flesh. It didn't matter as long as you were uh, squared away in your spirit and in your soul. So in other words, you could say, well, my spirit's in Christ and I'm squared away. So I can do whatever I want in the flesh. So I'm going to go do drugs and rape and murder and, you know, be a homosexual and, you know, pedophile and, you know, whatever sin I want to live in and whatever I want to do, I can do that because the body doesn't matter. But it does. Just like we read what Paul says, that he's praying that even your body is preserved. Because what you do in the flesh, every word you say, every deed you do, you're going to be held accountable whether you're a believer or unbeliever. You have to understand that. So, you know, I'm sitting here on this podcast and we teach, we do things, we do Bible teaching the best we can. We don't know, you know, we just know what God gives us to, to say. Um, I've told you before, I would never, ever purposely lead you astray or try to give you a false doctrine or something. I, I just, I, I would never do that. Um, but one of the, the, the big things is the accountability. You know, I, I, I'm going to be judged for everything that I'm going to be judged for today and what I'm teaching today and how it affects you, either good or bad. Does it bring you closer to Christ? Does it edify you? Does it stir you up to, to, uh, think more about eternity and think about others eternity? Does it do that? Or does it just entertain you? You know, it's, it's just, just precious. It's just this, you know, hay and stubble that's going to be burned up in the fire. It's very important for me because I realize that I'm, I'm conscious of that. It's not something that I, I go, oh, that's not true. Or I'm, I'm aware that that's absolutely true. So it, it holds me very accountable to that. So everything today, I'm going to, I'm going to be judged someday. It, it's going to be judged for this, this particular show. Hebrews 4.12, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. All three are there. Soul, spirit, your body, your joints tomorrow. The word of God. The word of God cuts through all that. And we talked about how man's flesh is different than other creatures in 1 Corinthians 15, 39. I can go over that again, but I'm going to skip that. You know, it's different. So once again, I'm going to say it again. What we do now the title of this this show is The Importance of Now. What we do now in this flesh, in this body, is very important. As both the wicked and the righteous will be judged for every word and deed done while in this body. And that's why the resurrection is so important. Because um, I know there's many out there going, you know, and there's there's teaching, there's false teaching out there. You know, why would God... Um, you know, resurrect a body just to put the inner man in it so they could be tortured forever. And, you know, God's a loving God. He wouldn't do that. Um, I believe the Seventh-day Adventists believe in, well, I know they do. They believe in soul sleep, that your soul just goes to sleep. 
and you kind of cease to exist. Other um, Christian cults believe in annihilation. You just, you cease to exist. You just, God annihilates you, destroys you, so you're annihilated. Um, but that's not the punishment for sin. You see, there's a punishment for sin that happened back in the Garden of Eden. God says, the day you eat of it, the day you disobey me, you surely die. There's a punishment. There's an eternal death. And all the philosophizing and all the humanizing, being a humanist, doesn't take that away. It's our fault. It's not God's fault. It's our fault for disobedience, living in rebellion. And he spent thousands of years creating a plan of redemption for us. And it's our fault if we don't embrace that redemption, if we don't embrace Jesus Christ by faith and what he did so we can have immortality in, in, in the peace of God. That's our fault, not his fault. See, he's not the mean God. We're the stupid humans. We listen to the wrong, we listen to the wrong thing. We're listening to the snake. We're listening to the serpent. They're only here, they only exist here to deceive us. Say, but the vast majority of people, they don't get that. And so they just run around blind and deceived and loving the things of the earth, experiencing the world through their physical body and through their soulish nature. And in, in, our, in our time on this earth, it's just, it's very brief. It's like, a, it's like water poured on, a, on sand. It's like a little wind. It's like a little flower dried up in the, in the heat. Our time on earth is very, very small. The, our probationary time here compared to eternity. That's why it's so important. So, at death, our mortal body ceases, but our soul and spirit are fully conscious after bodily death. So, the guys who wrote that article were absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28, because Jesus says the same thing. And Jesus says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him, talking about God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It doesn't say destroy like annihilate. You're going to be in hell, both the soul and the body in hell. That's your resurrected body in hell. In fact, the word destroy is um, like a polyum. It means to uh, perish or lose, literally or figuratively, destroy, die, lose, mar, or perish. It doesn't mean annihilation. Both soul and body. Well, they're perished because you're not with God. It's horrible. So Jesus says that it still exists. Okay, Matthew 17, 3. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. That's at the transfiguration. Well, if they didn't exist after death, how could Peter recognize Moses and Elias at the transfiguration? Uh, what else we have? We have Luke 16, 19 through 31. It's always a good one. This is the uh, the story. It's not a parable. It's a, uh, it's a true story about the rich man and Lazarus that died. If you're not familiar with this, please read this. Luke 16. So we'll start uh, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, just like the kings of the earth today. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. He was begging, desiring to be fed with crumbs, which uh, fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Pretty bad shape, this guy. It came to pass that the beggar died 
<clears throat> he had a physical death, see, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. What did the angels carry? His physical body? No, it carried his spirit and his soul. His physical body went to the grave. The rich man also died, and um, he was buried in the grave. His body. But in hell, see, he was conscious in hell. This is where he went. He went to Hades. The Greek word is Hades. It's a place of torment. That's where the wicked go until the judgment. And then they'll be judged, put in their spiritual body, and placed in the lake of fire forever. There's no intermediate good place. There's no rock and roll heaven. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments, and he sees Abraham afar off, and he sees Lazarus in his bosom, and he cries out, he says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. It's hot there, just fire. We're going to talk about that in uh, subsequent teachings. We're going to talk about hell, the word Hades. We're going to talk about Sheol, the underworld, the lake of fire, Tartarus. And he says, for I am tormented in this flame. So it's real, there's hellfire. But Abraham said, look, son, uh, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. See, it's all over. Once that bell rings, it's, you can't undo it. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. They couldn't, we couldn't help you anyway. And then he said, I pray, therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him, send Lazarus to my father's house, that he could testify to them. At least they come here into this horrible place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, they've been listening to it for thousands of years. But this guy says, man, if one comes up from the grave and could tell them, they, they would repent. And he said unto him, Abraham says to him, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuaded the one from the dead rose and talked to them. And isn't that the truth? You could talk to people till you're blue in the face, but they don't care. So all these scriptures are showing, I mean, even our Lord is, is using these scriptures and he's in his teachings, he's telling you there's a consciousness after death. And the scientists are just now discovering that. I think that's a great article because finally somebody's admitting that, you know. Uh, in Luke 20:38, it says, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him after death. How about John eleven twenty five? 25? And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is eternal life, folks. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? This is eternal life. This is what it's about. It's, this is probation down here. What's about is your reconciliation to God. You want to get back to the way it was in the garden before um, that serpent beguiled all of humanity. In Acts 2.27, it says, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. That's from Psalms, talking about Jesus Christ. <coughs> that God the Father would not leave Jesus Christ in Hades or allow his body to uh, see corruption, but be resurrected. He's the first fruits of our resurrection. That's what, and it's, he's the example. He's the first fruits. And we're all going to be like that if we're in Christ. 
Acts, um, let's see, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Hey, there's a lot of scriptures. I'm just kind of hitting and missing a few of them, but we can be here all day because it's all, it's all in the word of God. I'm just, I'm just proving to you what the Bible says about consciousness after death. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You get that? Paul is saying we are confident and willing rather to be absent from the body. He'd rather have physical death from the body. That means he would be present with the Lord. Yeah. They're going to be untented. It'll just be a soul. It'll be a soul and a spirit until the resurrection. But he'd rather be there without a tent uh, await that day than be down here. Right? Now listen to this. In verse 10, he says, and here's what I've been talking about, what you do in this body. In verse 10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who? Just them? Or just wicked? You no, know, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That's your physical body. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Maybe I need to read that again. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone, that includes you and that includes me, may receive the things done in his body according to that which hath he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're going to be judged, folks. That's why the physical resurrection of the body changed in a twinkling of an eye from corruption to incorruptible is important because we will be judged for the works and deeds and things we've said while in that body. It's, it's who we are. We can't, we can't just get rid of that physical body. It goes back to dust. And then we exist as disembodied spirits of soul and spirit because that's not who we are. God created us a triune being, whether you're righteous or wicked, it's going to happen. And so then Paul says in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to persuade people. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences also. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. And I, hopefully what I'm saying is made manifest uh, and it makes sense. And, and hopefully I'm just preaching to the choir here. And if not, that you go, Wow. Maybe I need to really, really think about this. In Revelation 6, 9, it says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. So there's souls under the altar that John seen. They're, they're under the altar and they've been martyred for, for the testimony of God and for the testimony which they held. So he doesn't, they don't have a physical body. Their physical body's in the grave right now. But they're not in hell. They're not in Hades. They're not in Sheol. They're not in paradise. They're in heaven because Christ, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, Christ emptied paradise. And those who are dead in Christ 
physically dead, but alive in him spiritually are with him in heaven. Even though they're, they don't have their, their uh, resurrected body yet, they will. Anyway, these souls that he sees are under the altar. They cry with a loud voice and they say, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, they cut my head off. I martyred for Christ. It's okay. It's cool. I love all people. Uh-uh. It's like, how long before you avenge us, our blood? You're holy and true. You have to avenge us. And white robes were given unto every one of them. And then it was told them that they should rest just for a little season until other people also and their brethren that should be killed like they were should be fulfilled. So there's more martyrs to come. <coughs> it shows there's a consciousness there. Now, is it possible? Is it possible that we could walk around in a live body but have a dead soul? Absolutely. And like I said before, that's where you're getting these zombies, these soulish creatures that are walking around. Absolutely. Let me just hit a few of these scriptures. Matthew 8, 22. Jesus tells uh, one of these guys that were uh, one to follow him, but he had stuff to do. Jesus says, um, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, why would he say that? Let the dead bury their dead. If you're dead in your soul to, to God, you're dead in your spirit to God, and you, and you give it to your soulish nature, and your spiritual man is buried, he's saying, let that, let that dead person bury the dead. That's right. How about Ephesians 2.1? Paul says, and you hath he quickened who were dead. You were dead. But Christ made you alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. How were they dead? They were dead in their sins. They were dead in their trespasses. They, they, were, they were dead men walking. Their souls, their spirits were dead, even though they had a physical body. But when they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and the redemption and the work that he did on the cross, they became alive and their spirit was quickened. That's a beautiful thing. That's, that's the gospel. It's a beautiful thing, folks. It's all eternity. And Paul says, wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, right? You were soulish. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's, that, that's a reptilian. That's Satan. According to the prince of the power of the air, you walked that way. The spirit, Satan, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. We were all children of disobedience in times past. I certainly was. We had a conversation in the lust of our flesh and our bodies, our soulish nature. See, our bodies did what our soulish nature told it to do. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, our soul, our, our, our desires, our appetites. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What does that mean? You're children of God's wrath. You're gonna you're gonna be punished because of your rebellion, not taking the way that God has provided. 
But God, who was rich in the mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us. He made us alive together with Christ. He did this by grace. We are saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's our spirits that in the ages to come, we might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. With the exceeding ages, it's not about just right here. It's about eternity. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves, because it's the gift of God. You don't save yourself. It's not of works. At least you you could boast about that. Wow. Wow. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. All right? And it goes on and on. You can read more and more about that. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Revelation 6, 9 says, and, um, oh, I already read that about the souls in the altar. 1 Timothy 5, 6 says, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Now he's talking about these widows who um, were in the church and they were going around, you know, gossiping and doing weird stuff. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So is it possible to have a live physical body but a dead soul? Absolutely. And one more, Revelation 3, 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name, that thou livest and art dead. So you're alive, but you're dead. All right. Okay. Uh, Hours almost up. There's a lot to this next week. I said we will talk about uh, Lord willing. We'll define death and physical death, spiritual, eternal death. Penalty of sin, resurrections, spiritual death, um, things like that. Hell, Hades, and, uh, and then maybe that, that'd be it. But hopefully you got something out of this. I, what I'm trying to do is spark your thinking about death, the wisdom of death, and how important that is for us and for everybody else. Because once that bell is rung, you can't, you can't be prayed out of purgatory or candles or, you know, the Mormons pray for dead people um and they do that often uh, their relatives or uh, anybody that well i guess they say when they prayed hitler <laughs> when they prayed hitler out of hell it was because uh had he survived he he would have become mormon <laughs> something ridiculous so it's just that's ridiculousness that's those are lies of the enemy that will cause people to uh, go to hell and that's what we don't want we don't want that for you. We don't want for that for your loved ones. All right. So uh, good night. We'll talk to you next week.